Oh, man. What have I missed while I was on vacation? We have a lot to talk about in today's episode of Locked on Devils. Not to mention they have a game later tonight against the Rangers. Buckle up, everybody. You're Locked on Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked on Devils with Trey Matthews. Alrighty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer, and also Devils writer for Pucks and Pitchforks, Trey Matthews. So I am back from my vacation. So what did I miss? I missed a whole bunch. So thank you guys for sticking by me. So in last week's series of episodes, I talked to Christy Flannery. I talked to Ryan Novozinski. I did a couple bonus episodes with Jersey Joe. So thank you guys for your patience, but Like I said, I was on holiday vacation, and what could I have missed during that time span? Because Thanksgiving break isn't that long. Well, I missed a whole bunch, so the New Jersey Devils win streak was snapped, or how shall I say this, robbed. Nathan Bastian is hurt. Jack Hughes got his first career hat trick, so there's a lot that I need to catch up on, and obviously I can't recap every single game, but I can talk about some of the big takeaways from these last few games that I missed. So let's start with the big thing. And that was when the New Jersey Devils win streak was snapped at the hands of Toronto Maple Leafs. So you've obviously heard of Malice of the Palace. That's what happened when the Detroit Pistons had a big fight and fans got involved, players got involved, whatever the case might be. So I'm trying to think of a rhyming scheme for what happened at the Prudential Center just a few nights ago. So I, I'm, I'm thinking of like blank at the rock. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, but I can't really... Uh, Nothing comes to mind, but needless to say, the New Jersey Devils had not one, not two, but three goals waved off. And it also seemed as though Matt Murray was intentionally just trying to move the post so that way he could get a pause of action in case the New Jersey Devils were just swarming in on him. Because obviously when the netting gets messed up, you have to stop action and referees have to go over and tend to it. And then you get a face off, whatever the case might be. And Murray didn't just do that in the the Devils game. He did that in a few other games after that. So it just feels as though that the Toronto Maple Leafs stormed into New Jersey and they totally uh, robbed the Devils of their win streak. So here's my overall opinion, guys. In in regards to the fans throwing beer and all sorts of other objects, I think a chicken tender was thrown at Eric Hollow's way, whatever the case might be. I don't condone that kind of action, but... I kind of understand where it's coming from. And quite honestly, if I was in that situation, if I was at the Prudential Center that night, um, would I, as a fan, as a fan, would I uh, join in with the mayhem? I don't know, because obviously that kind of environment can be very intoxicating. uh, One thing can lead to another, but that's not what I'm here to discuss. I I just want to say, while I don't condone the actions of the fans, I totally understand where it's coming from because it's coming from a place of frustration because like I just said moments ago, it felt as though that game was robbed from the New Jersey Devils because that's not just a game. That's a history game because the New Jersey Devils were just one win away from breaking the franchise record for longest consecutive win streak. And not to mention the Devils were knocking on the door 
for the Pittsburgh Penguins all-time record. So to tie the record was 17. To break the record was 18. So here's my overall stance with that game for the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is, yes, I get it. Maybe one of those goals should have been waved off, but they should have at least given the New Jersey Devils at least just one of them, just because I think it was justifiable. I'm just putting that out there. So three goals waved off. I felt like two of the three were justifiable, so the Devils would just uh, come away with a three to two victory, or they would just tie it, go into OT, and similar to what happened in our first meeting against the Toronto Maple Leafs, it could have gone to a an OT victory to the Devils, or at the very least, at least we walk away with something. At least we walk away with a point. But no, that's not how it happened. That's not how it went down. And even though there was time left on the board, fans were just fed up and they just uh, expressed their displeasure towards the referees by throwing all sorts of objects onto the rink. Now, a lot of people, uh, including some of my colleagues over at Locked On, tweeted their frustration saying, oh, the Devils are a trash fan base. Like, why would you do that? You guys are ungrateful. You were just on a 13-game win streak. Well, let me provide some context. Like I said, this isn't just a game. This is a history game. So, um, like I said, let, let's just think of it from this sort of perspective. So, let's just uh, assume after this game, if the Devils did come away with the victory, they still win against the Sabres because the Sabres were on a lengthy losing streak at one point in their last 10 games. They are 2-8. and eight. And then uh, against Washington Capitals, the, the New Jersey Devils absolutely obliterated them. So let's just say those wins stand and the Toronto Maple Leafs game gets reversed, whatever the case might be. So that's 16 straight wins for the Devils. And like I just said moments ago, the record to tie it is 17 for the all-time in NHL history, and to break it is 18. So the New Jersey Devils were knocking on that door, and it felt as though that we just got it robbed from them. So it's just like, yeah, that's not just a game. It's a history game. It it, it goes back to what Jim Joyce said when he missed uh, Armando Galarraga's uh, perfect game in baseball. It, it's not just a call. It's a history call. And it just did it. Do I feel so? The New Jersey Devils got robbed. Absolutely, they 100% got robbed. And I get the frustration because it was complete BS. If you ask me, it felt as though it was rigged at some point. And I'm just like, this really cannot be happening. Like seriously, like when was the last time you saw a game where this many goals were waved off? And it's just, it's just unbelievable that it just happens to the Devils when they're in the midst of this lengthy win streak. But the one thing I want to give the Devils credit for is that, similar to what Christy Flannery said just a couple days ago, she said that the Devils don't get too high on themselves when they win, and they don't get too low on themselves when they lose. And they went out and they proved Christy Flannery correct, because after they lost this tough one against the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Devils, in back-to-back -back games, they were able to beat the Sabres 3-1, to and then they obliterated the Washington Capitals by a score of 5-1. to And we saw the true... Uh, superstar potential that Jack Hughes had that I'll discuss in segment two of today's episode. But overall, guys, uh, in, in my overall opinion against Toronto Maple Leafs, here's my final assessment. Yes, the Devils were robbed. Yes, it was BS. They should have had two or maybe just at least one of those goals given back to them. And it was frustrating to see. One of them was, ju was justifiable, I think, the first play. But um, – like, like I said, it, it was just a complete and utter nightmare. And it's frustrating because it seemed like the Devils were on the brink of breaking history. But the one thing I want to give them credit for is that they knew how to rebound. They didn't let it get to their heads. And 
they 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 were able to go out and now they're on a two game win streak. I know it's not 16, and I know that we're probably not going to get the all time record. But I mean, we could maybe maybe I don't know. I can't tell the future, but at the same time, it is a little frustrating. And you do have to think like if the Devils win this game against the New York Rangers, this is going to be my biggest what if when the season ends. What if that game went the way of the New Jersey Devils against the Toronto Maple Leafs? What if they came away with the win? And if they won against the New York Rangers, that's technically 17 in a row, and that ties the record. So that's something to take into consideration. So, yeah, that's my overall assessment from the chaos at The Rock just a few nights ago. I don't condone it. Uh, It is uh, completely unnecessary because – what if you throw like a full beer can onto the rink? And it, look, I know a lot of people were clowning on Mitchell Marner for saying that he feared for his safety. He feared for the safety of his teammates. But OK, forget about the Maple Leafs. What if that hits a Devils player? Like what if that hits an, a true impact player? And now because of our stupidity, because of our actions, we actually just took down someone on our own team. So friendly fire in that case. So. That's where I stand with the whole chaos at at the Prudential Center. Everyone got caught up in the moment. Everyone was frustrated. Tensions were high. They were high on my end, too, because while on my vacation, I was scoreboard watching. I was watching a little bit of the game, and I'm just like, come on. you got to help the Devils in this sort of way. So, yeah, that's where where my stance is, and that's not how I wanted the win streak to end. Like, if the Devils were to lose, I'd much rather they have lost, like, similar how they lost to their first game against Washington Capitals or against the Philadelphia Flyers or their first game against the Detroit Red Wings, which is lose five to two or six to three, which is the Devils just basically didn't give themselves a chance to win. Like that's how I would have liked to have lost the game theoretically, but can't turn back the hands of time. So that's where I stand with the whole brouhaha in regards to what happened. So we're going to continue on with today's episode on a more lighter note, but first I want to bring you guys uh, some important information from bet online so betonline.net is your number one source for your sports betting info stats and news and analysis get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports we've got it all for you at betonline.net and if you love sports podcasts you can find all those at betonline as well we're always the fastest easy way to get all your betting fix head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action BetOnline where the game starts Please remember to gamble responsibly and visit our friends at Locked On Bets for all your betting needs there as well. Okay, so let's shift from a dark moment these last few days to a lighter moment, shall we? So let's talk about Jack Hughes and his fantastic outing against the Washington Capitals. So Jack Hughes was able to register a hat trick and Fans threw stuff onto the rink once again, but this time it was hats. It was something more positive because Jack Hughes got his first career hat trick. Now, what do I think about uh, Jack Hughes in general, uh, you know, registering those three goals? I just want to say Jack Hughes has elevated his game in more ways than one because one of the things I said that I wanted to see more from Jack Hughes was that I wanted him to control his energy just a little bit more. What did I mean by that? I said, I saw a player who had a lot of great potential, a player who uh, just had a lot of skill, a lot of uh, a lot of potential, whatever the case might be. But I just wanted him to channel it a little bit more because it seemed like at the beginning of the year, he had a lot of chaotic energy. So it just seemed like he was sprinting from end to end, tiring himself out. And it's just like, come on, Jack, 
Like, I know you have all the talent in the world, but just play a little bit smarter. And this game against the Washington Capitals, he sure as hell played smart because he knew how to locate one of those three goals. Like, he was able to find just a sliver of daylight, bounced off the goalie and into the back of the net. That was amazing to see. Like, I was just like, wait, did he just seriously shoot it from, I believe, below the goal line and just found that just sliver of daylight? And he just acted like it was nothing, like it was just a, another day at the office. So that's what I want to see from Jack Hughes from here on out, which is just keep playing the game of and channeling it just a little bit more and just, you know, play with that overall just smart but yet effective play style that I know he's capable of doing. And Jack Hughes is a superstar. I don't know what else to say. And he, he's amazing, and he's taken his game to another level. Now, let's talk about stats, shall we? Because now Jack Hughes is tied with Jesper Bratt for most points on the team. But surprise, surprise, Nico Kiescher has 24 points. So he is just one point below both of them. So our baby big three has taken leaps and bounds this season. So Jack Hughes, 11 goals, 14 assists for a grand total of 25 points. Jesper Bratt, 8 goals, 17 assists for a grand total of 25 points. Nico Heischer, 10 goals, 14 assists for a grand total of 24 points. Now, raises a question. Who's the MVP of this team? Because you got Jack Hughes, who, who has just improved as the season progresses. Because early on this year, we were talking about Jack Hughes is a little quiet. He's struggling a little bit. But we acknowledge that his worst is still better than most people's best. And people would kill to have his kind of stat line. And then for Jesper Bratt, we talked about his what like 11 game uh, point streak to open up the season, breaking the franchise record. Nico Heischer basically just knowing how to set up his teammates and just uh, overall make the players around him better. So uh, Jack Hughes, you got the franchise piece. Jesper Bratt, I no longer could say he has the stats, even though his stats are good, but uh, Nico Heischer is creeping on behind him. And Jack Hughes has now stepped in front of him because Jack Hughes has more goals, but Jesper Brett has more assists. So it's just like, who's the who's the star player on this team? I still think it goes to Nico Heischer. And I talked about this with uh, Christy Flannery, and I believe I touched on this with Ryan Ovazinski also a couple days ago as well, which is Nico Heischer, he's just the the guy that the Devils lean on. He's the guy that uh, that they rely on just because he knows how to create shots for himself. He knows how to create for others. And this this team, this team for the Devils, this is what I'm noticing. They're just a well-oiled machine. And if you didn't check me out on Locked On NHL, I highly suggest doing so because one of the things I talked about is that it seems like the New Jersey Devils' cohesiveness, it's just there. They're, they're clicking and they're getting it. So uh, I could talk about our baby big three, but why not talk about some of the players on the defensive side of things as well? So John Marino being a big gift for New Jersey Devils, even though it doesn't show up in the score sheet. Jonas Siegenthaler also playing uh, big once again. So uh, I, I just have to touch on this one more time because it, it was ridiculous that someone brought this up to me in a private DM, basically saying that Jonas Siegenthaler is a random player and that the Devils were just silly to rely on him. I'm just like, and, and similar to what Christy Flannery said just a couple days ago, Jonas Siegenthaler is not a random guy. He's been a fan favorite the last couple uh, years. We know how effective he can be, but you just don't watch Devils hockey. So if you watch Devils hockey, you know how effective Jonas Siegenthaler is on the defensive side of things. And then Ryan Graves is, is similar as well. And Ryan Graves, I think, got more attention out in Colorado just because the Colorado Avalanche defense was phenomenal. And, you know, Kale McCarr was able to make Ryan Graves look good because we, we know how good Kale is 
for the uh, Colorado Avalanche. But uh, digressing a little bit, th- this team for the Devils, especially with Vitek Vanacek taking leaps and bounds and just exceeding my expectations, and uh, Akira Schmidt also being a very solid backup as well. <laughs> There's something I thought I wouldn't say this season, but it's there. The Devils are just a well-oiled machine, and it goes back to what I said in segment one. I, you know what? I'm disappointed that the Devils' win streak ended the way it did. I'm very disappointed that we won't get to see maybe possibly them make history because this game against the Rangers, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Devils trying to tie the all-time win record, uh, the Penguins' 17-game win streak, and they're going against their biggest rival, the New York Rangers, the Hudson battle, whatever the case might be. And it's like the Rangers are going to do whatever it takes to just try to stop them in their tracks. But overall, guys, this has been a very very good team. And I'm glad that, that that they were able to rebound quite nicely. So that's one of the things I want you guys to take away from this, which is yes, devil's lost against the Toronto Maple Leafs. They got robbed. It sucks. But the fact that they have someone like Jack Hughes, they have someone like Nico Heischer, they have someone like Jesper Bratt. They have a few other uh, very strong pieces around them. You know, they're able to just rebound quite nicely and it it, it not affect them. And they're able to just go on another win streak, albeit it's two games. But uh, last year, if the Devils lost a game, what would have happened the next game? Most likely they would have lost. It would have taken them a while to get back into that groove. But that's not the case this year. So I'm just glad that we get someone like Jack Hughes who gets a hat trick just a couple games later on the second night of a back-to-back, nonetheless. So what did he say? He just says, grab the Gatto, and he's ready to go. And this is potentially a dumb question, but what does he mean by that? Because doesn't Gatto mean uh, cat in Spanish or whatever the case might be? Maybe I'm just being naive. I get I'm setting myself up here, but I just thought it was hilarious. And it was also hard to understand because Jack Hughes mumbles in his interviews, but digressing a little bit. Despite what Jack Hughes does off the rink, which is just be a little awkward in the interviews, he uh, just plays the game very smart. And uh, Jack Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Nico Keisher, quite honestly, all three of them should be all-stars. I, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be. Because if the Vegas Golden Knights were able to have three representatives last year, if the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to have three representatives last year, there's no excuse as to why Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer, and Jack Hughes can't all be all-stars this year. And I'll talk about that in a future episode. Okay, so we talked about the ugly. We talked about the good. Now, unfortunately, we're going to have to talk about the bad. So went out of order right there. So any Clint Eastwood fans, you probably got the reference, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But Nathan Bastian suffered an upper body injury a couple days ago against the Washington Capitals. And that was a game that uh, there was a lot of positive takeaways. A lot of people were talking good, but not enough people were talking about Nathan Bastian and his injury situation. So we don't know if he, if it's going to be day to day. We don't know if it's going to be week to week. We don't know if it's going to be a few months. We don't know if it's going to require surgery or not. So whatever the case might be guys, I still don't have an update for Nathan Bastian, but Here's what might happen. I think Alexander Holtz is finally going to be given a legitimate chance to showcase what he can do on the Devils roster. Now, here's the thing. You're probably wondering, where is Alexander Holtz going to slide in? Is he going to play on the, well, now WM line with uh, McLeod and Wood? No, I don't think that's going to uh, best suit him. If I had to make an educated guess, I'd say you put Fabian Zetterlin on that line because Fabian Zetterlin has a similar repertoire 
as Nathan Bastion, which is they're both big guys. And I think that Nathan Bastion and Fabian Zetterlin, they have very similar games. So I think Fabian Zetterlin will slide in just nicely with Michael McLeod and also Nathan Bastion. I think the best thing you can do for Alexander Holtz is put him on the same line as Yegor Sharangovich and also Jesper Boquist. And actually, one of my colleagues over at Pucks and Pitchforks, uh, Nick, released an, an article in, in regards to that, and I agree with them. So you put um, you put Alexander Holtz on the third line because you need to give Alexander Holtz some significant roles so that way he could showcase what he's capable of doing. Now, while in Utica, because he was recently sent down uh, before Thanksgiving, Alexander Holtz, in three game appearances, he has two assists and one goal. So you know his potential is still there. And it's the thing that we've been talking about during the course of the offseason, which is Alexander Holtz's uh, ceiling is still there. Like, he's able to put up very good numbers in Utica. How do we translate it to the NHL? How do we sort of uh, make him have this Akira Schmidt type of year? Because remember, Schmidt was catastrophic last year when he was playing in the NHL. And and we all know the circumstance. He was kind of rushed up. He was not ready. But that's beside the point. Akira Schmidt struggled. But this year, we're legitimately talking about how Akira Schmidt could possibly take the backup role. And now it, it raises the question, what's going to happen to Mackenzie Blackwood? But that's a discussion for another episode. But you get the point. How do we get Alexander Holtz to basically just do what Akira Schmidt did, which is, yeah, he struggled last year. But you saw the potential, you saw the growth while he was in Utica. But how does it translate to the NHL? Well, put him with Yegor Sharangovich, put him with Jesper Boklis, and see what happens in that regard. So he gets a decent, not huge role, and he's with someone like Yegor Sharangovich. And we talked about how Yegor Sharangovich has stepped up his game the last week or so. Because remember, after his OT game winner against the, uh, you know, who, uh, he was able to just uh, uh, do well in the next game as well. So I think Yegor Sharangovich is starting to get back on track. Jesper Boquist, uh, you know, he has his moments. But I think Alexander Holtz is going to be a great opportunity for him. And it's probably the only opportunity he's going to get all year. But uh, we still don't know the severity of Nathan Bastion's injury. So if Alexander Holtz really wants to showcase what he could do at the NHL, now's the time to do it because – the Devils are one of the hottest teams in the NHL. They're they're best of the best. And it's just like you don't want to do too much of the roster. So it's just like this is really going to be one of your few opportunities because it's not going to be like last year where it's going to be a revolving door where players are in and out of Utica where basically uh, Lindy Ruff has to shuffle up the lineup just to see what works or he basically has to ride the hot hand of somebody. So if someone scores like three goals in a five-game span, that player is going to have to play on the top line because they have the momentum. To, doesn't matter what their name is or whatever the case might be, but it's not the case this year, and thank God. But now Alexander Holtz, this is your chance. Showcase what you could do. Make it a tougher decision for Lindy Ruff to keep you out the lineup or have you sent back down to Utica. Do what Akira Schmidt did and basically showcase your skills right now. You went back to Utica, built up his confidence a little bit more, so I think Alexander Holtz is going to show some solid production in the absence of Nathan Bashan. But like I said, when this episode goes live, it is not confirmed, but it's either between Alexander Holtz, Andreas Johnson, and Kevin Ball. I'd say Alexander Holtz has the best chance of being brought up. So just want to put that out there. So let me know what you guys think about Alexander Holtz, what you think about Jack Hughes and his hat trick, and what did you think about that overall messy chaotic situation at the rock 
when the Devils were playing against Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm curious to hear, like, were any of you in attendance? And if so, did you partake in the beer throwing or were you witness to it? Like, what happened in that regard? It's curious to hear your guys' thoughts. So leave a comment down below if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast streaming service, hit me up on my personal Twitter page, at TreyMatt4, or the show's Twitter page, at LockedOnDevils. As for today's episode, that's all the time I have for you. So continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Go Devils. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Once again, thanks for sticking by me, and I hope you guys had a great American Thanksgiving holiday.